It's the new year and time for the new you. You've thought about running for political office, but don't know where to start. Before you start any planning, you need to secure your name online with a yourname.vote web domain. This means your constituents will know they are learning about the real you when they surf the web. Secure your domain from GoDaddy.com today. Now on 960 The Patriot, you're listening to live primary coverage with Chuck Warren and Sam Stone. Brought to you by Breaking Battlegrounds. All right. Well, welcome back to the Breaking Battlegrounds breakdown of election night in Arizona. Uh, Folks, if you have a question, do feel free to call in. We will try to take some callers between guests as we have the opportunity. The phone number is 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. So feel free to call in if you have a question. Right now, Chuck and I are going to break down the legislative races across Arizona. Some real surprises, and it looks like a more conservative legislature incoming. Absolutely. Start with District 1. Uh, Ken Bennett pulling off what looks to be a you know, solid lead at this point over Steve Zipperman. Ken Bennett massively outspent and kind of written off in this election. How much was he outspent? Yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I I know it was significant. I know Ken didn't have a lot of money for this race. Yeah, you know, um, Ken's a former Secretary of State. He's been in Arizona politics for a long time. He's very well known. Um, Helped with the audit. Yep. Um, Was part of Jim Lehman's organization to register voters and it didn't seem to last long, but um, no. Right. But but Ken is a guy who had, he's got good conservative bona fides. Yes, he does. He's been a, he's been around for a long time. People know him. People trust him, and I think you're seeing that again tonight. Uh, he will run up against uh, Mike Fogel. The Democrat ran unopposed, as as you will hear us over and over in this point out. There basically are no competitive Democrat primaries tonight uh, in District Two. State Senator Steve Kaiser running unopposed. Uh, he will face off against Democrat Janine Castine in November. I am sitting here looking at Castine's photo on the Secretary of State website, and she looks suspiciously like a vampire from an Anne Rice novel. <laughs> uh, in District 3, uh, that we've talk, touched on that one already tonight, but John Kavanaugh up 51, got 51.74% of the vote to Jan Dabowskis. Writ uh, forty eight point two six. That's a very competitive race still. And Jan outraised him, I think. She did. Yeah. Yeah. She outraised him. And she worked really hard. Uh, you know, wonderful lady worked really hard for this election. Uh, and you know, she's she's competitive. Uh, but but Kavanaugh has a long history, and he's certainly not a rhino. Right. And I think that's hard when you're trying to say, well, I'm just more effective conservative and. John Kavanaugh has a reputation for passing a lot of legislation. And and a lot of very conservative legislation. Yeah, so, I mean, she worked really hard, and that shows in that 48% plus um, captured a vote so far. But I I never understood when I talked to her. That's one that actually could swing. On election day. On election day voting. I mean, that's one that— Same thing with with the Zipperman race, too. That could be a recount race. Yes, uh, and she'll be going there. The winner there goes up against Thomas Duggar, the Democrat, again, unopposed uh, in District four. State Senator Nancy Barto unopposed. She will run up against Christine Marsh, uh, kind of a high power battle between two high powered women in November. Uh, 
State Senator District Number 5, they actually did have a primary. They went after the old white lady, Leela Alston. <laughs> Didn't matter because Leela's got 59.7% of the vote. Uh, Sarah Tyree, who came after her from the left, 31%. Al Jones also came after her from the left, 9.93%. I had no idea. I had never heard Al Jones' name until I drove by a billboard uh, this afternoon. It, I think it went up like yesterday, which, you know, might have been a little too late, Al. Uh, yeah, it's amazing people spend that money at the end. Yeah, come on. Look, I mean, if you're going to spend the money, get out in front of these things, folks. That's incredible. Uh, State Senator District 6, uh, that is a Democrat running unopposed for November. Uh, Teresa Hatathali, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mess around with that. Well, and this is something I know she's unopposed, and it's a heavily Democrat um, area sometimes. But you know, you cannot let the races go unopposed. No, this is this is a mistake the Republican Party in Arizona makes every cycle. I don't care how sacrificial the lamb is. Find a lamb. Find a lamb that's going to knock on doors. Yeah. and get people excited. Yeah. Um, Senate District Seven. That was in a, a Wendy Rogers. Obviously outspent significantly County Kelly Townsend, um, and looks like she's going to win by nine, ten points tonight. And, but, and that was a nasty primary between those two. I mean, they they went at each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's going to be some hard feelings about that. Wendy raised a huge amount of no, money. No one is ever going to accuse Wendy Rogers or Kelly Townsend of being wallflowers. <laughs> <laughs> right? No. It's, it's just never going to do it. They're both no. very strong women. They are. And they... Not afraid to assert themselves. Nope. Um, and so that was on the beat. But you know what's amazing about that, the money spent on that race, you're talking right now, of course, we still have same-day votes we're counting, and we'll know more tomorrow. But, you know, Wendy Rogers has raised $3 million, and she has 9,434 votes. Yeah, you know, someone uh, the other day was, was criticizing... The fact that she paid, I think it's her nephew who does her fundraising and, and yes. digital strategy Out of for Florida, her. I believe. Yeah. And and someone was actually criticizing that she had paid him like a million bucks in this cycle. I got to tell you, he's worth every penny. I, it, when you're a state senator in Arizona and you're raising millions of dollars nationwide on digital fundraising, uh, that guy can take a, as big a cut as they want because nobody does that. Matter of fact, it would be interesting to know if there's been any state senator nationwide outside of California or some state like that who has raised more money. Well, I guess Florida because you have no limit on donations yeah. to them, right? I mean, yeah, that's but possible. It's, I mean, but it's top five, top ten. I, look, that whatever else you can say, and and I like Wendy on a personal level quite a bit. I mean, she is a real spitball. She's a fireball. But, um, you know— she has done an amazing job nationalizing that seat. She has. Um, let's go down to State Senate District 10, which is a interesting race um, between David Farnsworth um, and um, Rusty Bowers. Well, before we jump there, I want to note real quick, District 9, uh, Robert Scandlebury running away with that over Tyler Pace. That's a bit of a surprise, but Scandlebury, again, really did a great job with those grassroots. So on now to, to District 10. Rusty Bowers, are you surprised by the margin? I am. I am surprised by the margin. I'm not surprised that he was. He's losing. Correct. But I am surprised at a 20 point deficit. Yes. No. I. You know. Look. I think David Farnsworth and he, Rusty clearly outspent him too. Maybe four to one. Yeah. Rusty had a lot more resources. Although there were IEs that spent for Farnsworth. 
So, you know, there there is some... And plus he had the... Again, this goes to what Chad Haywood said, being the gold standard. Farnsworth had that Trump endorsement. Yes. Yeah. And and look, here in the one-on-one, I think that does help him quite a bit. Um, but particularly, I mean, honestly, I think Rusty, because of his opposition to Trump on the election stuff, and, and very fair to say that that opposition was principled. It was right. based on, on, you know, his true belief. But that opposition brought up a lot of the of his other actions, a lot of his other votes. And I think those are what he's paying for as much as anything else tonight. His record got exposed in this race and he's getting housed. And you, you made a comment earlier, if it had not been for the election integrity questions, um, Rusty, who's a fine man. I mean, much yeah, as people want to, he is, he is br- a much very as people want to browbeat him. He's a decent human being. Um, he would not have the spotlight on him. He he might not be opposed in this race yeah, right now. That's very correct, Sam. Very correct. I mean, you know, he he might be one hundred percent on his way back to a a November victory. That's a district that's going to vote for a Republican in November, no question. I really truly think without that, he's he's back in the Senate and probably without any significant opposition. I agree. I agree. Uh, State Senator District 11, there, there is a somewhat, again, like Democrats don't actually do competitive primaries, but at least they had more than one person running for this seat. Uh, Catherine Miranda, well out in front, 49% of the vote. Janelle Cavero, 26%. Janelle Wood, 25%. Um, you know, I've dealt with, with Catherine Miranda a little bit. Uh, I, I have no idea who Janelle Cavero is, but I got to say I'm happy to see Janelle Wood losing that seat. Uh, she is a woman who is, you know, kind of a very devious BLM supporter and has done a lot of things in local government that, frankly, are shady. And, and I'm glad Democrats are not sending her uh, potentially to the, the Senate. Well, apparently they know about her. You know, at least, you know, I think Catherine Miranda won that on name ID as much as anything else. But if they did know about her. Uh, good, good on them for not picking that <laughs> candidate. Um, here's one that that I actually am a little bit surprised at: uh, State Senator District 12, David Wayne Richardson, 55 percent of the vote to Suzanne Scherer, who's probably a bigger name coming into this race at 45 percent. What's David's background? Yeah, I don't even know to be honest with you. I kind of thought I Suzanne think I re- would I have think that. I think I read seat. something. He's like 33 or young guy. Young yeah, man. clearly. Um, you know, I we're going we're gonna to have to go ahead and get him on the program at some point Absolutely. here and learn about him because uh, that's a bit of a surprising result to me. Uh, that The winner there will run off against Mitzi Epstein, uh, who's represented that district for the last couple of years. Um, Epstein is one of those sort of not very useful members of the state Senate. But keeps winning. But keeps winning by being largely inoffensive. It's a talent. Some people have it. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, yes, it's true. Uh, District 13, J.D. Mesnard unopposed in that one. He will head back to the Senate or uh, to the Senate uh, on the Democrat side uh, in a race to lose to J.D. in November. Uh, Cynthia Hans, Cindy, Cynthia Hans, 64.54 percent. Michael Morris, 35.46. Uh, State Senator District 14, Warren Peterson unopposed there. District 15, Jake Hoffman unopposed there, or, or District 15, Jake Hoffman unopposed, District 16, TJ Shope unopposed, 
and in the primary, he will run up against uh, Kirby or Taylor Kirby, uh, Democrat in the general election. State Senator District 17. This is the Tucson this is area. This is a surprise. This is a big surprise. Right now, Justine Wadsack leading 37.12% of the vote ahead of longtime uh, Senator House member bounce back and forth, Vince Leach. He's really he's in, he's in leadership too. Yeah, he's one of the leaders of of the Senate. I know he's a favorite of Goldwater. Yeah. Institute. Uh, you know, at 36.6, that race still up in the air. Only uh, less than 100 votes right now separate those two. Robert Barr running in third. Boy, is that one a that That's a surprise. And Justine Wadsack has been, been running for office for a couple of years there. Uh, and, man, she, she is doing better than I think most people gave her credit for. Well, no, it's, it's impressive. Uh, State Center District 18, Stan, Stan Kane, and we we got to go to break here in just a moment. We'll get back with more of these results. Um, but w- what we're seeing here are are some surprises, particularly in these legislative races. More surprises tonight than we would have guessed. Certainly true. Breaking Battlegrounds coming back with more in just a moment. Now, back to Chuck Warren and Sam Stone with your live primary election coverage brought to you by Breaking Battlegrounds. Welcome back to the Breakdown Arizona Election Night with your hosts, Sam Stone and Chuck Warren in studio. On the line with us next, uh, Ben Peterson, Arizona Communications Director for the Republican National Committee. Uh, He is working with the media and Republican candidates to share the GOP message and win races up and down the ballot. And Ben, we are very pleased to have you joining with us uh, tonight. One of the things that I know the party is is on top of right now is what's been going on today in Pinal, and and we're hearing some rumors about Pima County as well, with them actually running out of ballots at the polls. Can you can you tell us what you've heard there? What's going on? Good evening. Thank you for having me. Uh, so the RNC and the Republican Party of Arizona chairs, Ronna McDaniel and Dr. Kelly Ward, released a statement about an hour ago about Pinal County, calling on the Pinal County Elections Director, David Frisk, to resign immediately following the issues we saw in Pinal County today. Uh, those issues included, you know, what we knew before today, there were 63,000 early mail-in ballots that were sent to the wrong voters due to a misprint of the municipal elections, causing a lot of confusion in Pinal County. Uh, today, when people went to vote in person, at least 16 precinct voting locations, we have documentation of ran out of Republican ballots throughout Election Day, which is just inexcusable in a precinct system. Uh, at least one voting location in Pinal County was not opened at 6 a.m. It didn't open until 10 a.m. Uh, there were voting machines not plugged in or with the appropriate paper to use uh, for persons with disabilities, which just effectively disenfranchises uh, voters with disabilities. And throughout the day, there was no response from the elections director uh, to our inquiry as a, on Election Day issues. So we've released that statement tonight. Uh, we are following this issue very closely. Ben, Ben, what can they do at this point? I mean, I, I assume you could go to a judge and get some sort of injunction. I mean, is it is it possible they may have voting occurring there tomorrow? Uh, I'm not sure on that yet. 
Um, you know, our, our, our request is for the county elections director to resign immediately. This is very clearly a pattern of failure. It's unacceptable. It cannot happen again in the general election. And so we want to see change there. We want to see these problems fixed moving forward. I mean, this is a massive level of incompetence you're talking about. It really is. And, and to that point, um, it just so happened that Katie Hobbs, uh, who appears to have won the Democrat nomination for uh, the gubernatorial race, was asked about this on live TV. They read her a portion of our statement on 12 News, and she actually defended Pinal County's handling of the election today. Again, just completely inexcusable. Well, that's that's thank you for bringing up Katie Hobbs. That was my question for you. Why would Katie Hobbs be a bad governor for Arizona? Oh, well, it's hard to just pick one reason. But, you know, Katie Hobbs. Give your top 10. You can give 10. You can give five to 10. (laughs) Katie Hobbs is, is, is a really bad candidate. You know, there are so many issues that have come up in the last year, even with with Katie Hobbs. The racial discrimination case comes to mind. Two federal juries found that she racially discriminated against uh, an African-American female aide. Her discrimination was so egregious that her victim was awarded $2.75 million in damages, which is the second largest verdict of, of any verdict in Arizona last year. So Hobbs wasted taxpayers' money defending that case and paying those damages. Uh, in addition to that, you know, Katie Hobbs has repeatedly voiced support for open borders, defunding the police, defunding the border strike force. She refused to rule out removing the National Guard from the border uh, and flip-flopped on keeping Title 42 border protections. So this is a candidate who seems to have a pattern of coming out for open borders policies. And that's really dangerous considering the border crisis that Joe Biden and the other Arizona Democrats have created. Ben, you know, thinking about Katie, one of the things that I, I've been wondering is what accomplishments does she point to? I mean, she really has not achieved anything in her time in office other than to get sued twice and convicted twice of racial discrimination. But other than that, what the heck does this woman hang her hat on? You know, that's a great question. Um, and if elected governor, Katie Hobbs would be in charge of a workforce of about 40,000 employees at the state. But she can't even ma- manage her own campaign staff of 12 people. Uh, in the last five months, eight out of her 12 campaign staff have quit over what has been described as an emotionally abusive environment. Uh, but Hobbs said in an interview the other day that she's still 100 percent confident in her campaign manager. And, you know, you just look at her track record. It's a track record of incompetence mismanagement and far left ideas well and she and she doesn't really appear to have a whole lot of substance i mean she's one of those candidates that kind of repeats all the mantras of the left but has shown as with her campaign and her time in, as in the office she is not a good manager she is not a good uh, frankly operator she doesn't know what she's doing she doesn't have a policy basis other than to sort of parrot the far left uh, she would be the most radical leftist governor Arizona has ever had. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're exactly right. And and the thing is, Arizonans are facing some really big challenges right now. People are fed up with Joe Biden and Democrats' failures. People can't afford these skyrocketing grocery bills. The cost to fill up your gas tank has nearly doubled since Biden took office. This border crisis is making Arizonans less safe and secure. 
you know, when we talk to voters, these are the issues voters are telling us they care about. And Democrats, especially Katie Hobbs, have zero solutions. Any surprises today that you've seen? Um, I know you've been following a bunch of races today. Any surprises that that caught you a little bit off guard? Are you still there? Yeah, no, I'm here. Did you, any surprises today? Okay, cut any, out for a second. Yeah, any surprises today? Anything that's caught you off guard? Uh, we have just seen amazing Republican turnout, uh, especially day of voting has been huge. Earlier tonight, I saw some data from Maricopa County that more than 100,000 people went to the polls here today. About 80% of them voted a Republican ballot. That is just such incredible enthusiasm. And in key competitive legislative districts in the general election, places like uh, LD4 in Scottsdale, LD9, LD13, the margin there was 80% Republican again. And so we are seeing Republicans turn out and vote in the primary. This is a really good sign for the general election. One of the things we saw, one of our other guests, our, our first guest on tonight, Henry Olson, brought up the fact that based on early returns, about a quarter of the ballots cast on, on the Republican side in Maricopa County were from independents requesting a Republican ballot, which is, is basically double the number we have ever seen in the past. Do you think that's a reflection of sort of Republican strength? Or is that Democrats, you know, you know there, there's always candidates who come out and say, hey, these are Democrats trying to influence our election. I tend to actually think that's a, a sign of our strength and our candidates bringing in those folks. You know, it's an interesting trend. I think time will tell, but um, I, I lean optimistic that there are a lot of conservative people who are not yet registered as Republican. We are really working hard to register people as Republican voters. That's where we want them. We, the party is growing. We are welcoming people into the fold. Uh, but we know that there are independent voters who are conservative, who are going to vote Republican. And then there's independent voters that are up for grabs. And so we need to do a lot of work between now and November to make sure that we are uh, shoring up our support with those independent voters that are up for grabs and turning out those independent voters that are already leaning our way. But really, you look at the national political environment, you look at Joe Biden's plummeting approval rating. You look at the issues that are facing Arizona. Strong, strong year for Republicans. Sorry, Ben, I got to cut you off. We're heading to break here. Really appreciate having you on the program. Breaking Battlegrounds coming right back. You deserve a home that's beautiful and stylish. At Overstock, you don't have to choose between low prices and quality. Find new on-trend home goods that reflect your taste and don't compromise on value. You can be proud of your home and design a space where you feel like you, all under budget. Plus, you get free shipping on everything in the continental United States. Overstock is where quality furniture and decor cost less. Now, back to Chuck Warren and Sam Stone with your live primary election coverage brought to you by Breaking Battlegrounds. All right, folks, welcome back. It is 10.34 p.m., which means it is 34 minutes past my bedtime, Chuck. Uh, I know you're you're with me on the early-to-bed, early-to-rise program. In case the two of us pass out on air and you hear nothing, <laughs> folks, call the station immediately. We have actually a whole bunch of younger people here who are, are ready to step up. I do want to acknowledge them and thank them for their contributions because it actually does take – quite a bit of work to prepare a four-hour show like this on election night. So uh, first, Mackenzie Semerad, thank you so much for her efforts in helping line everything up tonight. Kristen Sankey, uh, Jeremy Siegel. Jeremy in the booth, the audio god. He is. He makes us sound way better than we do in real life. 
Thank you, Jeremy. Oh, I appreciate you. As always, the irrepressible Kylie Kipper. She has been lining up guests. And again, we have a, a program full of fantastic guests tonight, Chuck. So thank you to Kylie. Uh, Keely, I apologize. I actually don't have her last name. I don't know. I just know her as Keely. And I texted Jamie, our digital guru, to ask what her last name is. And, <laughs> and our digital guru did not respond on text. But Keely waved. That's all that matters. She so she's waved. happy. She's she waving waved. at us. This is very exciting. Jamie's shrugging her shoulders. But Jamie, she's still our digital guru. <laughs> she does all the online stuff you see here. Uh, and Chuck, actually, also your son. Yes, who does. contributes and puts together a lot of our videos. Uh, so we want to thank everyone involved in this program uh, for helping make this possible. Uh, Keely Benvin. So, Keely, thank you again. Uh, it took a lot of folks to put this program together, and I know we're both actually really excited to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to be tired. We're waiting for the next dump from Maricopa County. Stephen Richter said we should have it any minute based on his twitter account so we stand by for that and results um, getting a little bit closer so sam talk to us a little about this so we had talked about for karen robson to have a chance i have been saying this yes that she had to have a lead of seven points or more on mail-in ballots which she did she came she, in 10 yeah she right had 10 right a bigger number than i expected quite frankly so we always felt that carrie would have um Excellent margins on Election Day. And, and what we're seeing so far uh, in Pima County, uh, here in Maricopa County, Coconino County, around the state, is Carrie Lake winning Election Day somewhere in the 60, 30, or slightly better than that range. But. But that margin of 10 percent is a big margin to try to overcome now. And one thing that most of these pollsters missed is you had 20% plus independent turnout today, which generally double, and you and I don't believe... Yeah, look, I don't want to. I don't want to say this because I, I. I suppose I'm going to get in trouble, especially if, you know. Obviously, I I'll still say have it. my I'll fingers say it. crossed. We, I'll say it. I don't think there was a big swarm of independents voting for Kerry. No, in fact, I, I gotta. I gotta admit, I think that if you have independents turning out, I think some of them would be for Kerry. Sure, absolutely, but. but Overall, I think that vote is going to break fairly solidly in Karen Taylor's favor. That's what the polling showed. And a lot of those are coming out to vote against Kerry and sort of, in a, in a sense, against Donald Trump. So what does Kerry do you think she has to get today with the drop-offs, with the in-ballot voting? What is, she, what, what is the margin she needs to have to make up this deficit right now. Well, uh, she may have it. I mean, 60-30 is probably enough. I, that's a bigger margin than I expected on Election Day. But the question is going to be total turnout. Right. And this is going to be, I think, a real key coming up here is this Maricopa dump. Yes. it's This is huge. Yeah, she has to get within, you know, shooting range. She needs to be within three or four. Yeah. At the end of this dump. That's, that's, that's going to be a big deal. Here, and I, we can watch that and we'll see. Um, because right now, if you go look at Maricopa, let's pull those numbers up real quick here. Um, so right now, Maricopa, the last time we had it, it had Karen um, Taylor Robson at 50 percent, 157,401. Carrie Lake at 40 percent with 125,590. So do you think she's got to be within four or five of this next dump or six even? I, I think six. 
okay. probably, you know, by by the end of this next dump, I think then it's it's still a competitive race. Um, and this, you know, look, it may this may be two or three days down the road before we have oh, an I, to this race right this now. Point. Well, uh, we, we got to go to break here right. in a minute again, but um, you know, when we come back, uh, we are going to be bringing on. Uh, Christy Donnell, Donnell, I I hope I'm saying that correctly. I'm probably not because I screw up everybody's name on this program as a matter of routine. Um, But uh, she is the director of communications at the Arizona Republican Party. And we want to talk a little bit about what she's seeing in these races and how it pretends for November. Uh, Because obviously that's going to be, you know, top of everyone's mind at this point. Uh, This is going to be, Arizona is going to be the battleground state. That's why we're breaking battlegrounds. We're here in Florida. Those are going to be two of the biggest markets and two of the biggest states for what happens in 2022 and 2024. We'll be back. Now back to Chuck Warren and Sam Stone with your live primary election coverage brought to you by Breaking Battlegrounds. Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds Breakdown of the 2022 Arizona primary. Uh, Chuck, next up on the line with us, Christy. And Christy, I apologize if I'm getting your name wrong. Donnell, Donnell, uh, Director of Communications at the Arizona Republican Party. Wanted to talk to her a little bit about November, but specifically, we were talking earlier about some seats that we didn't have a candidate on the ballot, but we actually had some write-in candidates. Christy, tell us what happened with those write-in candidates. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And you did get my last name right. I don't know. No one ever so proud of you guys. Blind squirrel finds a nut once once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Yeah, we actually do have a lot of good news happening right now through the primary election. Starting off with, it was reported that today was the highest turnout in Arizona's primary election in history. So that is something that everybody across the board can be celebrating, and we should be. And then... What I am most proud of right now is that we had several districts that did not have any Republicans on the ballot. So the Republican Party of Arizona worked really hard. We sent out thousands of text messages, thousands of emails, and promoted them on social media. And we were and we were able, it looks like, I can't confirm it yet because, you know, the numbers aren't all the way in, but it looks like every single candidate that we helped we promoted will be making the ballot in november so that is something that's incredible that incredible yes yeah and how many candidates is that it's seven that's fantastic Th- that is yeah, that is a been, big deal what, what did the party do to help promote them yeah, so we we're in a series of peer-to-peer text messaging you know just promoting the candidates introducing them to the different precinct committee men in the district just saying hey you don't have a you don't have a republican on the ballot we have Somebody who wasn't able to make it make the cutoff to get their name on the ballot, but they're here now. They want to write in. The averaging only is about 688 votes or write-ins to make the ballot. Some of them vary, but that was the average number. So we just, you know, tried to get that number, and we were able to be successful. So that is so awesome. I'm not sure if the party's ever been able to do something like that before. So we are super proud of that. No, that that is a really huge accomplishment, and you mm-hmm. all. You, every one of you there who was involved with that should take a bow tonight because it is not easy. You actually did what parties no. are supposed to do. Yeah. No, and I mean, we did this in County in 23, which is right on the in southern Arizona across four different counties. So this was, this was not an easy task. It's very difficult. 
and we are so happy. And we think we're really going to be able to turn some of those deep blue districts in, in southern Tucson red because the people down there are fed up. Our border has been under for years and years and years, and they're done. They're done. So you, you know, I, to, great. to do that, Christy, one of the things that we've talked about a lot on this program is Republicans have to do, you know, continue to do, I think we've done in the last few years, a much better job of reaching out to Hispanics, mm-hmm. which is such a huge part of the electorate here in Arizona. And we have yeah, to... Con- that's why, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, go, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say, that's exactly why we, we created a Bombos program here in Arizona. We have our own, our own team that is dedicated to outreach in the Latino community. We have once a week in Spanish. We, we have emails that are in Spanish. Our website can be converted to Spanish. We are taking this very seriously, and we know the Latino community is Republican. They, their values are our values. They family freedom. That is what they believe in. That is what we believe in. And they are waking up, and they are coming over to the Republican Party in droves. Yeah, I, I think this is a case where Democrats, who really did not align with Hispanics for, for a decade or more now, right? Um, mm-hmm. But they have exposed themselves in a, in a very being radical yeah they are radicals and the, and the latinos are waking up realizing that and i think so much has to do with roe v wade being overturned so many of the latino community do not support abortion they believe life starts at conception and they have known that since the day they were born you know so that has really woken them up well and, and i i personally think the transgender movement is a huge mm-hmm. weakness for democrats in that yeah. community it is, and the Latinx, Latinx, that is a big turnoff. They do not believe in that. They believe in Latino, Latina, and that is not changing. No. <laughs> That's not going to change. And that's a very traditional culture. It's a traditional culture, and and this is a great opportunity for Republicans. I hope lots of candidates are listening in to this conversation and many others like it and get out and get up with Spanish-language advertising day one after this primary. Yeah, I mean, we have basically let the let the Democrats just take over and and be be the party of the the minorities and the Latinos, and I mean other people of color, and that is just ridiculous. But fighting back, we are taking control. We are we have to expose the Democrats for what they are. They are radical. They are progressive. They do not have the values of the Latino community or even the people of color. It's ridiculous, and they cannot just be doing this dog and pony show with them anymore they're done obviously it's too early in the night tonight to know who all is going to win all the races there's still a lot of competitive races out there mm-hmm. um but how do you see this election shaping up for november uh because i, so, I think there's a great opportunity for republicans in the state yes let's turn at the top of the ticket katie hobbs couldn't even memorize her own victory speech tonight that is embarrassing what does she do <laughs> what, what hold on, what does she do <laughs> She was looking down, not from the heart. It was just another scripted line from her. And that's not even where it stops. I mean, come on, at least get a dang teleprompter. (laughs) You know, at least get a teleprompter. I mean, with all of the Democrat money, can't you at least get a nice teleprompter? But this this is how they approach campaigning. It's a controlled environment. We tried desperately on our four-hour radio show tonight to get Democrats to come on. (laughs) <laughs> right? I mean, we're trying to educate people tonight. Yeah. And we struck out. Yeah, we, we asked everyone we could think of that we could find a phone number for, their consultants, 
uh, their lobbyists and the candidates. And they, they would not come on. Yeah. They would not come wow. on. What did they, did they respond to you? Did they have a reasoning? Mo- most of them did not respond at all. And others yeah. just said, no, we're busy. What is the yeah, what have yeah. the calls been to you from the national press? Are they trying to put this narrative that we're having this major civil war? What what have you been? What is the the general question you've been asked? So the national press has been trying to attack us because we put out a statement earlier, a few hours ago, calling for the uh, Canal County Election Director David Fitzbrisk to resign. He has grossly mismanaged the Pinal election for weeks. This has been an ongoing issue starting when the early ballots were dropped. He sent out 63,000, 63,000 wrong ballots or had, having missing information. And to make matters worse, Katie Hobbs defended him tonight. She defended him <laughs> and backed him up and said they're doing everything they possibly can. What has happened over the last few weeks is absolutely under, is un, unacceptable, and the people of Pinal County deserve better. It's not okay. They have made mistake after mistake, and today they did not even have enough ballots for the people of Pinal to vote. That is not acceptable, and he needs to resign immediately. Well, I, I agree 100%. I mean, frankly, you know, Helen Purcell... Uh, longtime mm-hmm. Maricopa County recorder, yep. Republican, was thrown out of office by the voters after yep. a snafu where there were huge lines in 2016 in the primary. And she got rid of precinct voting. Yeah, which we need in Arizona. She got rid of that. Yeah. yeah, and and you know I think she she deserved to pay the price for those mistakes. I think this guy does too. Uh, and you know yeah. I mean when you're doing this kind of thing, this this election in Pinal County has been as screwed up as you could possibly imagine them making it. And there's one last thing I wanted to talk about, about that issue. The Republican Party, we have worked to secure our elections, and we've recruited thousands and thousands of poll servers, and because of them, they were able to point out these issues and tell us immediately. So we were able to jump on this, and, you know, we are working hard to turn this over, and we will, we're working with the media to expose if any thing nefarious is happening, we will expose this. We are on the for- forefront of this. This will not be 2020. We have thousands and thousands of people that are on this process, and we will not have anything nefarious happen again. Well, Christy, thank you so much for the work you and everyone there at the party are doing. We all really appreciate it, and thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we are thrilled to have you on the program and would love to have you on again sometime. Uh, and again, thank you for the good work and good luck yeah. the rest of the evening and, and the rest of this election cycle. All right. Thanks. Let's, let's save America on Wednesday get in November. Talking That's a plan. Yeah. Well, Chuck, as this night keeps going and we have just about an hour left in the program here, uh, we're running up against the end of this segment in just a moment, but, um, it's really clear that overall, I think these elections went pretty smoothly, with the exception of Pinal County, which is just a dumpster fire. Yeah, I it has. And, and I don't think people who are actually running these elections get enough credit. Um, you know, I mean, no one's getting rich off being a county recorder or working in an election office or being a poll worker. And we we unfairly at times criticize them. And it's not. It's not fair or judicious by any means. Well, and, and speaking of that, however, uh, we did tease something at the start of this program, and I, I teased it on social media earlier today because we do have something about the county recorder, not the current one, but the previous Maricopa County recorder. 
who's now the Democrat nominee for Secretary of State. Likely nominee. Uh, Adrian Fontes leading the Democrat Secretary of State race 52.74 to 47.26. We actually did, because I had heard uh, through the grapevine, when you work at the city of Phoenix, you're actually just about a block and a half away from the Maricopa County Recorder's Office. And I had heard from some folks that Adrian Fontes, Maricopa County Recorder uh, from 2016 to 2020, and current candidate, is not someone who likes doing much work. Or at least not going to the office. Well, I, I, what I'd heard is he doesn't like doing much work, but when, when <laughs> we, we did a check. So we actually sent in a Freedom of Information Act request to the recorder's office for the badge swipes because you use a security badge to get in and out of these buildings. And here's what we found, Chuck. And, and this, this blows my mind, folks. You have 260 working days per year. In 2017, Adrian Fontes did not swipe into the office on 55 of those 260 days. In 2018, he upped his game. He didn't swipe in on 67 of 260 working days in the year. In 2019, he didn't swipe in 167 of 260 working days per year. So he literally worked 93 out of 260 working days in 2019 at his office. Showed up. And then in 2020, and granted, this is COVID, but you're also responsible for running a major election that year. A presidential election. A presidential election. He missed 182 of 260 days. I mean, this guy does not do the job. He plays by he really plays by his own rules. Seems whatever his mood is, he plays Whether us put up emergency voting centers or showing up to work. Well, and he clearly conspired with the Zuckerbucks folks to, you know, to, to influence the 2020 election. He is a hyper-partisan actor. And frankly, I'm sorry, this man is not qualified to serve in this office. I want someone, a secretary of state, who's actually going to be the secretary of state. That means showing up and doing the work every single day. Well, you get the, you can picture him, if he wins, that he's immediately starting to run for governor. Right. Yes. Or Senate or whatever the next highest oh, office sure. he gets because he thinks that highly of himself. Yes. No, he absolutely has ambitions. He has run for office in virtually every cycle. Um, you know, he's clearly looking to move up and move on. But good grief, man. Adrian, what are you doing? Not showing up for work. Not, he, you know, taxpayers well, it, are paying him not to show up. And there's apparently. a bunch of days where he just swiped in once and then you never see another swipe. Now, on a normal working day, you see him kind of moving around the building throughout the day. There's multiple swipes. I had the same thing at the city of Phoenix where, you know, you're, you're swiping in the front door. Then you're swiping in the office door. You're swiping out. So what does it mean if you're swiping in once? It, mean, once? it means you're coming in and then you're leaving probably in the company of somebody else um, without spending any real time there throughout the day. So, frankly, he worked less than than we even just said. This is amazing. We're going to share this with the public because they need to know. Breaking Battlegrounds, coming right back.
You deserve a home that's beautiful and stylish. At Overstock, you don't have to choose between low prices and quality. Find new on-trend home goods that reflect your taste and don't compromise on value. You can be proud of your home and design a space where you feel like you, all under budget. Plus, you get free shipping on everything in the continental United States. Overstock is where quality furniture and decor costs less.